Sooner fans, Longhorn Nation, welcome to episode 16 of the Boomer Bebo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas. Kevin, it's Oklahoma, Nebraska. Following the news of Scott Frost's departure, the game just got a lot more interesting. And I'm excited to talk about it today. What do you think? Is this going to be the next game of the century? I don't know about that, but it should be fun. I mean, I'm sure it'll be great for OU fans to get to go see Lincoln again. Not that Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. Let me just clarify. I know Lincoln's a bad word around these parts. I've it been should be to, fun. I'm looking forward to it. I've been to Lincoln for a game day. I went in 2005. I got to see Adrian Peterson. It's a great atmosphere. Every thing you hear about Nebraska fan is absolutely true. They love that you come and visit. They love the opponents. They just enjoy football for football's sake. And I did they enjoy Adrian Peterson running wild all over their defense. They did. They did. He was yes. A mad man. No, but they 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 just do. I, I it's the weirdest thing in the world. There's I something... heard the same thing. They gave Ricky Williams a standing ovation in 1998. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it, they were chanting Heisman for him. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they, you know, after the game, when we're just hanging out, they're like, man, Adrian Peterson, he's something else. I'm sure glad I got to see him play today instead of F and Adrian Peterson. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I hope, and we'll talk a little bit about this, but I, I, I hope for Nebraska fan that they find the right placement. Maybe it's Mickey Joseph, the, the interim coach. We'll talk about Mickey Joseph. Um. So I'm just excited. I'm excited for the game. Bama left you feeling oddly good about yourselves in a loss. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Texas responds to UTSA. So we're going to break that down, break that game down as well. Kevin, I want to give a shout out to a new target market that has been really supporting the Boomer Bebo podcast over the last couple episodes. We've always had an exclusive corner on the soccer dad market. Okay. Um, it's been big time. The, re- the, the, the response from the soccer dads is overwhelming. Now we're breaking into soccer moms. This is a real thing happening, Kevin. Love and oh, man, I was at a game Sunday. Our recap episode had just dropped. And one of the moms was like, hey, Listened to the podcast, sounded great, gave me everything I needed to know about the Alabama-Texas game. Boom. Okay. Soccer mom, you know who you are. Thank you for listening. And to all the other soccer soccer moms out there, we're doing this for you guys. So if there's something you want to see different, that's what the comments section are for. That's what our Boomer Bevo pod Twitter handles for. So if you need some other information to help you get through the games, Give us a shout. We're here for you. So thank you. Anything soccer you dads, soccer dads, soccer moms, any sports. If you got a volleyball tournament this weekend, I'm going to be at a soccer games for the entire OU Nebraska. And I will have my ear pods on. I'll be listening to the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. I know what it's like to be on the field. So anything we can do to help people get a better uh, appreciation for what happened in the games, that's what we're here for. Kevin. Absolutely. We've got some games this weekend. Now, unfortunately, week one was like an awesome slate of games. Yeah. Week two was like an intriguing set of games. Yes. Now we're on week three. And eh, mm. what do we got? Well, first of all, as everybody knows, you and I will pick the Oklahoma game and the Texas game. Oddly enough, we're both 11-point favorites in those games against Nebraska and UTSA, respectively. We're going to pick those games after we do the previews so that everybody kind of knows where we're coming from. I like the way you did that last week. I'm going to mimic it. Um, But as far as the other games to choose from, Kevin, let's run down the list. You tell me which one you want to jump on because, it's again, it's odd. You have Miami and A&M. AM is giving five. They're the five point favorite. I find okay. that 
a fascinating line after just losing to Appalachian State at home. Same here, same here. But I wonder if it's like some sort of trap line that we don't know about. So yeah, that's you never that's, know with Vegas. That's game number one. A uh, Big Ten Pac-12 matchup between Michigan State and Washington. Washington is the favorite. It must it. be in Seattle, then, right? I think it is. Yes, they are getting three, or they're giving three points. Um, Washington State. Who did they upset last weekend? Uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, so that was in Madison. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's maybe one we should take. Uh, a local flavor, NC State. Or I say local flavor because it's a Big Twelve team. NC State versus Texas Tech. NC State is giving nine and a half. Tech is two and zero. Oh. Aren't where they? is that at? Do you know where it's being played at? It looks like I, I think I've got it written down as Texas Tech. Wow. Okay. Let me double check these. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna pull these up just to double check them because I want to make sure. Now you're asking good questions. Lubbock, yeah. If that game, if that game's in Lubbock, it's 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 an interesting spread. Uh. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see if I can find it here. Oh, now all of a sudden it's not letting me pull it up. Let's see. But in any case, yeah, I think it's a Texas Tech. We'll keep we'll keep we'll keep efforting on that. Um, Louisiana State, Mississippi State. This one was a surprise. Mississippi State is a two point favorite. When is the last time Mississippi has been favored over LSU? Look, even teams they have with Dak Prescott, they were pretty good. I don't think they were favored over LSU. I don't think they were either. I, yeah. I, I don't know if this is the Mike Leach effect at Mississippi State. I, I find that again, it's it's blowing my mind. Some of these lines, it's like we're upside. The up is down, left is right. Just um, another one, just to throw it out there. Alabama's playing ULM, common opponent against Texas. Just gonna, we're not gonna pick that game. But I just think that's that's going to be interesting to see how they compete against ULM, how y'all beat them, see if there's any similarities or anything we can draw from, considering how close y'all's game was. You know the line for that one? It was a lot. I didn't write it down. Okay, it was a lot. It should um, be BYU Oregon. Oregon is the th- Oregon is the three and a half point favorite. It must be in Eugene then. It is in Eugene, and that's the right. I guess if you were doing a pick them. You know, if, if you thought they would be a pick them on a neutral site, you'd give Oregon three and a half. But dude, they just got they got rolled up by tough, man. BYU is a tough team. They just proved it yeah. by beating by beating Baylor. Yeah. I, again, though, these lines to me are just really kind of weird. And then the last one, Penn State Auburn. Penn State's the favorite. Where you know where the game is at? It looks like it's in Auburn. Wow. Okay, it looks like some intri- again some intriguing matchups here. Some intriguing matchups. So, what are you thinking so far? What 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 is jumping out to you as well, a game I mean, to watch? I still can't get past the A and M Miami game. What what is A and M going to do? Are they going to stick with Haynes King? Or are they going to go with the freshman Connor Weigman, five star quarterback? What's Jimbo going to well, do? Jimbo needs somebody that can throw the ball. I, I mean, yeah, it, it's um, he needs a better was, team too. What was their record last year? Eight and five. I think eight. Yeah, eight and four, eight and five, something like that. And, and their quarterback was better last year. The guy they had last year was better than this. Yeah, Zach Calzada. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, I don't know, Kevin. I here's the, I'm going to give you two, and then you choose the one we're going to pick. How's that sound? That's what I always yeah. have to do with my daughters. All right, uh, my I'll let you choose between the Miami and A and M game. And the BYU Oregon game. I'm going with the Miami AM game. Okay. That's what we'll pick. Who do you want? We'll pick it now. Yeah, let's pick it right now. Okay. Um I like AM. I think they're gonna the pressure's on Jimbo. And I think he's gonna in desperation either make a quarterback change or scheme something up. They've got talent everywhere. They've got talent at the skill spots. They gotta get these dudes to football. I mean, come on. Uh, I'm going with something. I'm going with Miami. Okay, 
I think this is a no-brainer. I think AM is terrible. Uh, not only do I pick Miami to cover, but I think I, I pick Miami to win outright. Okay. What I'm fascinated, though, is what the uh, Midnight Yell video will show this week. What an embarrassment. If they're going to make like some crude references on the Cubano culture in Miami or if it's going to be like a Miami Vice themed Midnight Yell or if we're going to have, you know, an Ace Ventura sighting when he's trying to find the Dolphin. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you what I don't. And see, I talked to you about this earlier. I'm so frustrated. I think Twitter doesn't appreciate my genius on the Boomer Bebo podcast. Because I put a tweet out there, and all of you listeners, nobody liked this tweet or responded with a ha-ha, but I thought it was hilarious. The lady that had to do the sign language on that on that uh, A&M video, what was going through her mind, Kevin, as she's having to do the sign language? She had the- to be embarrassed, but then she had to remind herself that she was probably getting a check. So it was <laughs> It's all about cleared. the money. It's yeah, all about the check clear. Let's just finish oh. this out. I, I, I don't want this to be an inside joke. If you don't know what we're talking about, AM lost to Appalachian State. Prior to that game, AM always does a pep rally, for lack of a better word, at midnight on Friday night before every home game. And in this case, they had a, I don't know, a student or a stand up comedian or one of their yell leaders. One of their yell leaders basically just ragging on Appalachian State, talking about how they couldn't even spell the name of their own school. They are from the backwoods. They're hicks. And mind you, Kevin, while all this is happening, yeah, while all this is happening, he is wearing overalls and boots and a plaid shirt. The ironies abound. And if you haven't seen it, it's just, it's, fantastic uh, in its absurdity. So in, in any case, I'm picking Miami just on principle alone because the the midnight yell cheer squad was so terrible. So it's, it's embarrassing. There's our tradition. Listen, you and I grew up in Texas. Uh, people that are from Oklahoma here, they, they don't like A&M. A&M's arrogant. A&M has, a, has, has an overinflated view of themselves. A&M is this. A&M Listen, when you grew up in San Antonio, AM was a bunch of weirdos. And there's still a bunch of weirdos. Am I wrong? Yeah, no. no and that, that wasn't just like some Texas fan, like, oh, I'm gonna talk trash on AM because I go to you know, I like tech. No, 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 no. Everybody thought people that went to AM and supported AM were a bunch of weirdos. I contend that in the 20 years since I lived in San Antonio, apparently nothing has changed. AM is a bunch of weirdos. And Jimbo Fisher's at the top of the list. Speaking of weirdos, Kevin, you know what's weird is people that are going through an insurance claim process and getting screwed by their insurance company and not hiring Brown O'Haver. That is very weird. It is weird because Brown O'Haver adjusts claims for the insured, not the insurance company. So if you're having a hard time with your insurance company due to a fire a wind event like a tornado, a hailstorm, a flood, vandalism, whatever the case may be, give Brown O'Haver a call, 405-735-5510. Let them fight for you, not the insurance company. We routinely get our clients 30 to 40% more than they get on their own. But more than that, we take the weirdness out of the process. You don't have to deal with the weirdos at the insurance company. You don't have to deal with the adjuster who's probably related to Jimbo Fisher. You get to deal with sanity. You get to deal with people that will treat you like a person and not a claim number. Okay, that was cheesy. But in any case, call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Cheesy but true. Cheesy but true. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Let's break down Oklahoma, Nebraska. Um. Kevin, what can you? I've got some notes on Mickey Joseph. What can, is you got any thoughts on on him replacing Scott Frost as, at least in the interim role coming into this week? Any any initial thoughts on Mickey Joseph? Well, he must be someone who has the respect of the team because this is his first year on the staff. So for yep. him to join the staff this year and already be named the interim head coach, he must be somebody who has made a huge impact already. Came from LSU, coached there under uh, Coach O, Coach Ogeron. But, yeah, he must have the respect of all the players already. 
Well, let's be real clear. When you say he coached for Coach Ogeron, it's possible that he might have been the single best recruiter and or developmental coach on that team because he was the wide receivers coach at LSU. And when they won the title in 2019, they didn't just have a good receiving core. They had an historic receiving core. Absolutely. Jamar Chase, Jordan Jefferson, Terrace. Sorry, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall. Not only – how's Marshall doing in the league? He's doing okay. He's still getting acclimated. He's okay. Five-star receiver coming out of high school. But Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are already possibly the best two receivers in the league. I don't think I'm even being correct. No, not at all. And Justin Jefferson was a two-star recruit now. He wasn't a a five-star guy. A two-star recruit. I think he probably only got the offer because of his – his brother going there. I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know that. No, he's fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was he was fantastic. And then Jamar Chase, I read an article this morning. I, Mickey Joseph is 100% responsible for Jamar Chase going to LSU, was the sole recruiter, has a lot of respect from Jamar Chase, the whole family. It, it's um, So when you talk about having – now, and, and let's give a, another some more perspective here to, to Mickey Joseph. Played at Nebraska, so he's not new to Nebraska. Was a quarterback for Tom Osborne in the late 80s, early 90s, when Nebraska was Nebraska. Um, so he's got relationships there. You know he knows Trev Albert, their, their athletic director. Plus, I saw his press conference today. It was, you talk about coaches winning the press conference. That was the least raw-raw speech I've ever heard from a coach taking the job for the first time. He was all business. He had one focus, which was to win games and to take care of his players. That was it. And I, for? I, yeah. And I was really impressed. It was a 17 minute. Brent Venables does a press conference and he doesn't, he doesn't answer one question in 17 minutes. And I love BB. This is a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're not comparing the two necessarily, but I just said in perspective, he had a 17 minute press conference. Like, Every question, he's like, okay, I'm done. And he was out. And you got the feeling that he was like, I'm out because I'm ready to go coach some more. Um, so I got to tell you, if Scott Frost was still coaching Nebraska, I would feel a whole lot better about this game. I would have picked us as a three-touchdown winner easily, easily. They're one and two. Terrible loss at Northwest or, you know, in Ireland against Northwestern. A, a sluggish win against uh, North Dakota. North Dakota, yeah. And a terrible loss to Georgia State at home where they allowed – Georgia four, Southern. Georgia Southern. Yeah. You're right, Georgia Southern, where they allowed 45 points at home. The black shirts. So – you know, the thought was that Frost isn't going to get fired because there's a buyout and all of that. Well, I mean, clearly the the donors, maybe Trev Alberts, whoever said, you know what, we're not dealing with this. Like, this is too much. We're This is bordering on embarrassment if it is an embarrassment. And I think that was a hard decision for them because he's a Nebraska guy. They're a very loyal fan he's base. quarterback of their last national championship team. Absolutely. He's a starting quarterback. And he was a yeah. good coach at UCF. And so it's, they went it's, undefeated his last season there. Beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl. I mean, it's um, it's a very everybody thought that was a home run hire. This isn't a case where there was doubts or they thought they went with the homer pick. He was the hot coach, the hot coach. Yeah, and it just really sucks for him. Sucks for the Nebraska program. It does for the players too. But him getting fired sucks for Oklahoma because I and I don't know if they're good enough to use all of that and still overcome Oklahoma, but they are going to play, I believe, inspired football for themselves, this new coach, and in some weird way, I think even Scott Frost. I don't get the sense that they had he had lost the locker room or lost the team. Yeah. I just get the sense he had lost too many football games. 
Yeah, they just couldn't get over the hump. And all these close losses. Were they 0-10 in their last uh, games that are decided by seven points or less? And I think all losses over the last two years have literally been by seven points or less, except for Ohio State, and they barely lost that game by nine. Kevin, the problem is when you start talking about that many losses, though, right, by by seven or less points, it comes down that that's um, it comes down to game time decisions, in game decisions, and things that are being um, adjustments that need to be made at halftime, adjustments that are made, clock management, all those sorts of little things that that's what coaches do. That's what that's the difference between coaches that win and coaches that don't. I think he had to go. Um, again, though, it just as an Oklahoma fan, it makes me nervous that they're going to play with a little bit of fire, uh, or I not a little so. bit, a lot about a fire. Yeah, they're, they're going to be very inspired. I mean, usually these teams fall apart, right, when the coach gets fired midseason, but they at least have that one crazy performance, right, when they come out and go nuts after, after, and plus. You know, with OU, new coaching staff, right? New scheme. We already saw a few pre-snap penalties and things like that against Kent State. And in the first game, taking that on the road into a hostile environment. Just never know what's going to happen. Um, the things that are in Oklahoma's favor. Um, a coaching change in less than a week can't change the fact that Nebraska's defense ranks after three games. 113th in the nation in passing defense. 115th in the nation in rushing defense and 99th in scoring defense. That's, that's in Oklahoma's favor. We've got to be able to take it. We have to take advantage of that. We have to get off to a better start than we did against Kent state. Uh, Levy said he was too committed to the run in the first quarter in the first half of the second quarter. I don't think that can, I don't think that's a possibility to be too committed to the run. I think you need to execute your running game, especially against a team like Kent State. You shouldn't have to pass the ball to be able to run the ball against Kent State. So I'm concerned about that. Now we're getting Wanya Morris back. He's uh, was a projected starter on the offensive line. He's been suspended the last two games for grades. It's um, expected that he gets that starting spot back. And, my question for you, Kevin, is can one offensive lineman make that big a difference going from one week to the next? Yeah. Yeah, I think so because I think guys have been playing out of position. They've been tinkering with guys. If you like him at right tackle, you put Anton Harrison back at left tackle, which, which is where you want him anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think that can settle everybody down. Having a presence like that, got a ton of experience from Tennessee and last year at OU. Yeah, I think that could help settle the whole – the whole offense now. Um, Nebraska's offensive line is allowing 2.33 sacks a game, which is 90th nationally. I think this spells, I think this makes Reggie Grimes' eyes like this big. You know, I think he's going to be just ready to tee off. Uh, I think Stutzman is still going to continue to have a good game. I think the question we've got to ask ourselves for the defense is we're about to find out if it's true that defense travels. You know, that's what you always hear about, right? This off offense can kind of come and go. Defense can be consistent. Defense travels. This is obviously Oklahoma's first test on the road. It's it's going to be a better offensive um, squad than they've seen, at least from a size and speed standpoint. Oh, yes. Yeah. But sc- scheme I'm a little worried about, right? Because their scheme hasn't been great. Um, well... But they got dudes though. No, they do. They're Nebraska. They're going to have they the guys at the skill spots. But let me give you Casey. Let me give you Casey Thompson, the quarterbacks through three games. Let me give you his stat line. Okay, sixty-two of ninety-seven, which works out to about sixty percent completion percentage. Eight hundred and sixty-six yards. So between three games, I don't know what's that. Two hundred and ninety yards a game. It's not bad. But here's no. where it gets weird. Only four touchdowns against three interceptions. I mean, we've talked about it. I, I've been a I've been a fan of Casey Thompson. I think he same. I think he's talented. I think he's got big playability. Um, we haven't been pushed 
down the field at all by the last two quarterbacks. Um, I don't know if that's a function of us laying off and just begging them to throw short and keeping everything in front of us or, or, or a function of the offenses that we've played, but you've got to figure Casey's going to take some, some looks at us. He's got a great deep ball. Um, so it, I don't know, but I, I look at that line and I got mixed emotions, whether he's as good as I, in my brain, as I remember him from that Red River shootout where he like, you know, scored 51 or 48 or yeah, however many score. So, yeah. I mean, what do you think? What, where, what are you hearing about Casey Thompson and, and well, go ahead. Look, I'm sure he's fired up for a multitude of reasons, right? Obviously what happened with the coach and this is his last shot against his dad's alma mater. Right, he gave it a good go against them, against you guys in the Cotton Bowl last year. Came up short because of the second half meltdown that they had. So I think he'll be fired up, and, and I think we'll see by far his best performance this weekend. Now, will that be enough for them to win or even keep it close? I don't know, but I, I, I think he'll play well. You'll see the best of him this weekend. Real quick, just questions I think we need to have answered. Um, I've already mentioned Wanya Morris. Is is Jeff Levy going to open up the playbook? But I've got another question next to that is, should he have to? Is Nebraska's defense good enough that he should have to open up the playbook? Again, I I mean, go ahead. I just think it should be a matter of execution. It's a lot like against Kent State. Line up and run some plays and just be the better team. Oklahoma, by all indications, is the better team. So, yeah. But at the same time. There is going to be a step up in talent. Let's see if he opens up the playbook a little bit. I'm, I'm curious to yeah. see that. Maybe some I think, quarterback. You, know, you do what you have to do to win the game, right? You know, I hope so. I'm sure they, I'm sure they got some a few tricks up their sleeve, right? And you know, I'm really curious to see Dylan Gabriel in this kind of um, environment, right? He's been pretty good, right? He's the been first two games. He's been. Uh, we talked about this. I think his stat line was misleadingly good out yeah. of Kent State. Um. Okay. But yes, I think it is. But you're right. This is again the first test, kind of hostile, and you know as hostile as we as we think uh, Lincoln can get. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more quarterback run. That's what I think you're going to see out of Dylan Gabriel is okay. a lot more quarterback it's run. A great weapon, and I think he can. Weapon. I think he can execute it. Um, and then I want I want answers on the Marcus Major. Eric Gray. I want, again, I want to see separation from Levy, Jeff, if you're listening to the Boomer Bebo podcast, I want to see an even distribution of carries. Let's, let's let these guys each get 18 carries. You know, if we're going to run it 36 times, let's let these guys each get 18 carries and let's see who the best back is. You know, I'm also curious to see what uh, Levy's opening script, um, if he scripts plays, you know, the first 10 or 15 I'm curious to see what he comes out with, how he attacks this Nebraska defense. I'm sure they're going to be very aggressive, very aggressive. Um, so I'm, I'm just really curious to see how they how they open up offensively, how much they trust Gabriel. Are going to let him open it up, take a few deep shots down the field early, or yeah. they be more conservative and try to establish the run game? It's one of the more fascinating things for, for this my, my last point when you talk about that is – you know, what's in his script, what is in his, you know, um, arsenal, it better include a lot of Marvin Mims. We better really, we've got to take advantage of the fact that he's he's the best athlete on at least that side of the field. Got to get the ball in his hands. Um, I'm excited to see that. In any case, that that's kind of my preview. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good game. We'll pick, I'll pick the spread at the end. I think it's going to be a good game. I hope it's not as good as last year's. I hope that we assert some dominance and continue the defensive improvements and start to see our offense maybe start to gel and click a little bit. Yeah. Switching to the other half of the Boomer Bebo podcast's legendary programs, the University of Texas is trying to recover from a devastating loss to the University of Alabama. Well, they will play the University of Texas at San Antonio, um, the school I likely would have gone to had I not been forced to move to Oklahoma my senior year in high school. I would have been a roadrunner, and I would have been proud, Kevin. I would have been just fine being a roadrunner. All that to be said, 
Are you excited about having to play the Roadrunners from UTSA this Saturday on the Longhorn? Oh, yeah. Okay, I tell us. I'm excited about it. Yeah, okay, so UTSA, their head coach, first of all, Jeff Trailer. If you know anything about Texas high school football, Jeff Trailer is a legend, right? Gilmer High School in Gilmer, Texas, right? The 3A high school back in the day. He sent multiple players to D1 schools. Names you might know. Remember Manuel Johnson, Manny Johnson, the receiver? Absolutely. Gilmer, Texas. Yeah, Justin Johnson, linebacker, Gilmer, Texas. And then for Texas, Curtis Brown, uh, DB, who played in the NFL. Yep. Chris Boyd, who's currently in the NFL for the Vikings. Uh, David Snow, who played for Texas in in the NFL. And also G.J. Kenny, who's actually now the head coach at Incarnate Word, was also a quarterback under uh, Jeff Trailer at Gilmer. So he's a legend. Gil- Gilmer Gilmer sounds like a school straight out of Varsity Blues, the movie. Exactly, yeah. It, That's it pretty much how I picture it. Yes, the it Gilmer could. Buckeyes. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, East absolutely. Texas, man. I bet yeah. the quarter. I bet the quarterback turned coach in Incarnate Word looks exactly like James Vanderbeek. That's just a guess. But I bet he looks exactly him. like him. Listen, this dude got the job done at Gilmer. He's a legend. He like you know. He can get a meeting with any coach, any recruit in the state of Texas, just based on his name. That coach will get their player to at least meet with him, just based on his reputation alone. So he leaves Gilmer to join Charlie Strong's staff at Texas. And he was a special teams coach. He was also a great recruiter. He helped him recruit um, the safety Brandon Jones, who's now in the NFL. Okay. Dolphins, having a yep. great start to his career. So he's a great coach, got the head coaching job. At UTSA, and they've done really, really well. They won Conference USA last year. I think they were eleven and one or eleven and two. Uh, this is a good. This is year. a good team. This is not a pushover team. team. No, not at all. Um, their quarterback, uh, Frank Harris. It's pretty cool too. You and I both being from San Antonio, seeing some of these guys uh, who went just the high schools that we that we recognize. You know, yeah. Um, you know, Frank Harris from Shirts uh, Clemens. And they've got Rashad Wisdom, the safety, who's a great player, who's from Judson. So, oh, there you go. They've got some really good players, and like you mentioned earlier, these players probably all grew up wanting Texas offers. So they're gonna, well, I mean, really fired up to play the Longhorns. You know, it's it's one of those situations where nobody on UTSA's. I, I'm making I'm making a guess here, uh, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Nobody on UTSA's roster got an offer from Texas. But every yeah, one of those, that. but every one of those dudes thinks they can play at Texas. Correct. I mean, we're talking Texas football. These guys, UTSA has gone from a startup program, and I want to say like 2010, 12, somewhere around there, yeah, late 2008, yeah, to what is now a very respected program, and it's be, they can do that because they're located in Texas. Because they're located in San Antonio, which is it's that what's the coach's name? I'm sorry. Jeff Trailer. Trailer doesn't have to leave. He doesn't have to go out, outside of 1604 to recruit for the UTSA and have an incredible roster. You know, an incredible roster for a, a conference yeah. USA team. Yeah. For a conference USA team. And yeah. and, and to your point. He knows how to motivate these kids. They run a very creative offense. Uh, I, I mentioned it in the uh, in the post game recap against Bama, where Bama is is big and athletic and hit you in the mouth and beat you up and bruise you. UTSA is death by a thousand paper cuts. You know, there it's it's a up tempo, quick passing game. They're looking for underneath routes. They're looking to get inside linebackers. To, maximize mismatches um they beat they they went to overtime with at the time a 25th ranked houston in week one you said they won last week is that right they did against army also in overtime uh, you know so they've been tested and they've seen houston again a top 25 team army listen oklahoma has played oklahoma's had to go to overtime against army in the last five years yeah that's 2018 that's with Kyler Murray, who's in the NFL and won a Heisman Trophy. Oklahoma had to go to overtime at home to play Army. So, you know, whatever Army is, they're a tough out, right? They're a really, really tough out. 
Um, it's just going to be the, to me, the biggest question is how does Texas respond following the loss at Bama? Yeah. Do they also respond? Texas talk about Texas notes, right? Hudson card. Okay. Quinn Ewers, we don't expect him to play. Okay. Okay. Hudson card was also injured and he's day to day. So we don't know even if he'll be playing. When will we know on Saturday? Probably Sark is, is insane. So we'll probably know right before kickoff is when we'll know. Why do yeah. they do that? What, what is the point you know, of that? You know, I get that. I think that's an old uh, um, Snyder, Coach Snyder at K-State, his deal, not telling anybody anything about injuries. So that way the other coaches don't know who, who to uh, prepare for. So if it's not him, it'll be Charles Wright, who is a redshirt freshman out of Austin High School, Stephen F. Austin High in Austin. He's not. I think he's played, but he hasn't thrown a pass yet in his career. What was um, he? What was he out of high school? He was a three star recruit. No, he was a three star recruit. Well, why? Why the? Uh, why is Malik Murphy not getting any love? He is not injured. Malik Murphy got injured in the state championship game in high school in December. He had a pretty bad uh, foot ankle injury that required surgery. He is not clear to play yet. Oh. Sorry that wasn't, say that. that wasn't discussed this summer, though, was it? No, but I think because he was just so down on the uh, dev chart. He's clear to throw, but he's not clear to play. So, okay, well, let's let's go. Let's since we're on the podcast and we can talk about what we want. Let's take this discussion a little deeper. Does that bring into is that a concern that who is? OK, all right. So yours is out. Card is questionable. Yeah, now, again, he hasn't even confirmed that Ewers is out. He said that everybody's day-to-day, but we, from everything that I've heard, Ewers is not playing. I don't expect to see Quinn Ewers. Okay, let's just just go with that for right now. Ewers is out. Card is 60-40 playing? Okay. I have no idea, but we we can say that for the discussion. So your third-string quarterback has a very legit – he has a 40% chance of playing based on our calculations, right? The backup quarterback. Correct. The, the third string quarterback. Oh, the third string. Okay, yeah, yeah, we can say that. Who's his backup? You know what? If he gets hurt, we are putting Roshan Johnson in the backfield, our backup tailback, and running Wildcat. We literally won the K-State game doing that last year. When oh, Casey so you're, Thompson, not, you're not joking. You're saying that with that you believe that. Oh, is yeah, the no, I, I am. Yeah, absolutely. We literally beat K-State doing that. You probably um, Casey Thompson couldn't throw the football last year. Hudson Carr had an ankle injury, and we so Casey Thompson could play, but he really couldn't throw the football. So the I think we put Roshan Johnson in the backfield and ran twenty five times out of the Wildcat and won the game against K State. Well, that and if he and if he can run the Wildcat next to Bijan Robinson, that's a tough ask for a defense to try to cover between two tailbacks, one of them yeah. being Bijan Robinson, because mm-hmm. if they key on Bijan. Uh, I know we're going down a rabbit hole there, but uh, that's fascinating, Kevin. Uh, what's your injury front like on defense? Oh, we're good on defense. Um, the cornerback, Deshaun Jamison, did injure his foot in the second quarter of um, the Alabama game and did not come back. I, mean, I think it might have been that play where he dropped the interception, actually. Okay. And um, he did not come back. But from what I'm hearing, he should play on Saturday. Other than that, we're good everywhere else. Okay. Again. Like you mentioned earlier, this game comes down to do they have the right mindset? Are they going to show even close to that same intensity that they showed against Bama, especially on defense? If they do, if they do, then UTSA cannot hang no. with Texas. If that's now, if they come out flat and you look around and they're down. 14-3, 17-3, right? And Hudson Card is not playing or he's hobbled, then you could be in some trouble. You could be in some big trouble. That's just, you know, this is what I think we talked about this this summer is the concern with playing in Alabama. The concern with Texas playing Alabama in the position that the program is currently in is that in order to give them your best shot, you're putting a lot of you're putting 
the season at risk because it's just a lot of hits, a lot. I mean, just it's a physical game, a lot of hits. It's just a lot, and it's bored out. We even talked about that. We talked about that, like with um, we talked about it in your quarterback battle. Should we start Hudson Card? Let him get up, get beat up by Alabama, so that yours doesn't get hurt. I mean, those were conversations that a lot of people were having, yeah. and you're starting to see that bear out. And I think your concern is, dude, if you don't respond or you have to play the third string quarterback against what's a pretty decent Conference USA team. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they won the conference. So, okay. What that does is that means you have to answer the question. Do they answer the call? There are 11 point favorites at home against the UTSA Roadrunners. Kevin, what is your pick for the University of Texas? I have Texas winning the game, and I have them covering. Kevin, winning and covering. Uh, I will have. I have you. I picked UTSA to win it early in the year. I'm sticking with it. I'm taking UTSA. I'm taking UTSA to cover. Okay. UTSA to cover and to win. Are you taking them to win or just to cover? You know what? I'm going to take them to win, and I'm going to okay. roll. The, I'm going to roll the dice on the sixty forty. If you roll out your third string quarterback, I think there's a. I think UTSA has a really good chance. Okay. I think there's a better chance if you went to your fourth string quarterback plan and ran Wildcat because I don't think they have the athletes to stick with Texas if they decided to do that. If Texas decided we're going to man up and run over this team, I think they have a better chance of winning than trying to run their conventional offense with their third string quarterback, who's let's you know face that. it. Is a third as a three star who really only got his scholarship to fill in as the scout team quarterback. I mean, that's just what he, I mean. I don't know the kid, but you te, you're not starting a third string a three star quarterback at Texas as a redshirt freshman. That's not happening. So that was never the Colt that McCoy. was never the plan. Yeah, not since Colt McCoy, and that wasn't the plan either. It was supposed to be Ryan Perilou. So, so you think this kid's Colt McCoy? You think this kid's Colt McCoy? No, come on. Okay, no. all right. No, but when uh, we didn't think Colt McCoy was Colt McCoy either. I hated that guy. You know what I hated? You know what I hated most? What I hated most about Colt McCoy was when him and Sam Bradford would do like those buddy buddy things on game day. Yeah. Where they'd like play ping pong against each other and um hit golf balls together and blah blah yeah. blah. I was like, what what is happening? This is disgusting. It's like a dating hey, show. I hated it. <laughs> hey, they're boys, man. Two no. good dudes. They're just good dudes, man. They're it good made dudes. Me- it made me hate Sam Bradford for a little bit every year. And I love Sam Bradford. I'm sure Sam, Sam's a big listener of the Boomer Bebo podcast. And I'm just telling you, Sam, when you did those, I, it, you, I hated listen, it. You, you're talking like me about Quentin Griffin. You just, you're mad because he went three and one against OU. Yes, absolutely. I, and I'll tell you the game that we should have won was y'all's best season, but whatever. That's the one we should have oh, won. The 08 game? Uh, no, the 09 game. Okay. Oh, yeah. Y'all's best season is the 09 game. This, this we were better. Should... Our best oh, no. season. The team was better in 08, though. Whatever. We have an inter. He throws an interception that should have been a pick six. Who was the guy? Who who do you throw it to? It was was it um Brandon it Williams? Jackson. Jackson. Brian Jackson. Jackson. Brian Jackson from DeSoto. And Brian Jackson can't outrun Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy runs him down. It was almost like you remember um, in the playoffs with uh, Roethlisberger and, and Jerome Bettis when um, they're going to punch it into the goal line. Bettis fumbles the ball, Colts uh, recover, and they brought some running for a touchdown. And somehow Roethlisberger makes a shoestring tackle and saves a playoff yes. run. Yes, and they won the Super Bowl that year. It was very similar to that. It was very it was similar. Season. I mean, Brian Jackson is a cornerback and a great. He ended up playing good the NFL. Good very good yeah. cornerback. Mm-hmm. Makes the interception. It is a pick. All he's got to do is beat the slow-footed white kid. And he, <laughs> he, he doesn't do it, and we lose 16 to 13. Oh, my God. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Earl All Thomas, right. though, man. Two picks on um, on Landry. Oh, yeah. He was good, man. Dude, we had such hope when <laughs> Sam, Sam started that game. Speaking of Sam Bradford, we said had such hope for that game. And I don't know that anybody really thought he was going to make it, and he did not. Um yeah, it was this, and it wasn't even a big hit. I mean, it was they brought Aaron Williams on the nickel blitz and just tackled him. 
Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even on the shoulder. I mean, he kind of went kind of straight down on his stomach. And, yeah, it yeah, wasn't. Was done. Yeah, Shout out to Sam Bradford, though. A lot of respect for that guy. Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. Uh, you know what? He got screwed. Listen, we keep going down these little rabbit holes, but I love it. Hey, Vince, him and Vince Young. He got screwed in the NFL with the same coach. Yeah. The same coach. The curse of Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher is was one crappy NFL coach that lasted a really long time in the NFL for reasons that are unbeknownst to anybody that knows anything about football or has I mean, ever he had watched like football. Four winning seasons in like 16 years as a head coach. Uh, yeah. And he fire with Steve McNair that one year, got to the Super Bowl and then. And I think that was all Steve McNair. I mean, honestly, that, that team was loaded. And, and, you had, and you had the running back, right? Wasn't the. Uh, Eddie George. Eddie George. Oh he was, he yeah. was really good. And so my guy Javon Curse. Yeah. Rookie. He was good. Yeah, like 16 and a half sacks as a rookie. Dude, what? listen, Jeff Fisher. I mean, well, listen, he made Vince Young almost want to kill himself, right? So that's number one. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to make fun of like suicide or anything, but he almost no, made Vince is a legit. Yeah. That's a legit deal. Like he almost made yeah. Vince Young want to kill himself. And Sam Bradford, I, I don't know what kind of mental torture he put that guy through, but it was insane. Sam Bradford was a good quarterback. I remember his pre his first preseason game was like drop. He was like eight for eight in his first preseason Anytime game. Quarterbacks regress in the NFL. Yeah, oh. you're not supposed to regress. That means you're, getting, the, you're not getting coached. Well. Everybody thinks he was a bust. He was the rookie. He was the offensive rookie of the year. That Just year. like Vince Young, same thing. Offensive a, rookie of the year. He yeah. was a good player. Mm-hmm. Jeff Fish, Jeff Fisher, you suck. Yeah, you and Jimbo Fisher suck. All right. Uh, back to, they related? <laughs> probably. They, they probably. might be. Yeah, they're cousins. Uh, back to 2022. Oklahoma plays Nebraska. 11-point game. Oklahoma covers, but they just barely cover. I think this is a two-score game. I think they win uh, 35-21. Okay. I think OU wins, but I actually don't think they cover. I think they win. I think it's close to covering. I think it's like eight or nine points. Kevin picks Nebraska to cover. But OU to win the game outright. OU to win. All right, dude, you are uh, you're five and four on the year, and I'm six and three. So right. for all of you out that. there, I think you want to listen to my picks because I'm better than Kevin at picking games. Clearly, clearly. How about that? We'll, we'll see not even close. When the season's over. It's not even close. Um, I'm excited. I'm intrigued by this this group of games. Um, I'm intrigued by the matchups. I think UTSA is looking like a it's it's it because of what happened in Alabama, because of what happened with yours, because of the whole quarterback thing, I think that takes on a whole lot more intrigue for that game. And I think a one and two Nebraska team for Oklahoma, which had lost all of its intrigue, kind of picked it all back up with Scott Frost firing. And Mickey Joseph's stepping in. I think it just adds a whole nother layer to the game. I'm excited to see how both of these play out. I think it's for I think at least for our two schools, it's going to be a very revealing week for how the season's going to go. And, yeah, and I think again for both teams, it's all dependent on the mindset of our individual teams, not really what the other opponent agreed. is going to do. That's a good point. I if, if Texas can do what Texas can is capable of doing. And Oklahoma can be Oklahoma. We both win these games. Like it's correct. And also, I've also heard that uh, UTSA has got some depth issues on the offensive line. If Texas defensive line shows up anything close to what they showed up against Alabama, then they should be able to completely dominate the line of scrimmage. So again, that's the question, though. Uh, Kevin, where can they hear us? Anywhere you can find a podcast. Apple okay. Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You look for podcasts, you can find us. Just search Boomer Bebo Podcast. We're on there. Um, I asked, you know, the ref puts us on their Podomatic page. And I love the ref. 94.7 in Oklahoma City, 1400 AM in Norman. They're statewide. In the Army. Yeah, you and I are in the Army. And I love the Army. But I feel like the Army is kind of like taking the week off because Oklahoma was playing Kent State. I think the Army is kind of acting like Oklahoma's offense in the first half. And I need the Army to decide that they are actually an Army and will mobilize and help a fellow soldier get some Oklahoma gear. I'm not even wearing an Oklahoma shirt today. This is this is meant to show you 
where I'm ranking at in my own household. I've got to have 100 subscribers to the YouTube page. You're listening. We see the stats. We have over 500 listeners every week on the Boomer Bebo podcast. You're on YouTube every freaking day. Go to YouTube. Subscribe to the Boomer Bebo podcast. Please get me and yeah, Kevin some you. swag. We need swag before we play OU Texas. I need to go get myself a shirt that's got Barry Switzer wearing a beat Texas hat, smoking a cigarette, so that I can show it off to Kevin before I go down to Dallas. You don't even have shirts like that. You don't even know it. What are you going to get? Like a John, who, who, is, your, who is your coach? Makovic? You, you got like a shirt with That's who you? Yeah, not that's, Royal, not, not, nah, not Brown. That's the shirt you're going to get. You're, you'll probably get like a Makovic shirt wearing those 80s pants with the buttons. That's, oh, you mean that's the what I imagine. Pants? Those are the same pants that Switzer was wearing. Yeah, but Switzer made, look, Switzer made him look good. Okay. Did he though? Switzer the was a, that, that, that's cool. I'd be smoking on the sideline. Listen, dude. Switzer, <laughs> Switzer was sexy then. He's sexy now. He's one of the sexiest men to ever live. It, and shout out to Coach. He's the king. Listen, I, I know we're running along on this podcast, but I'm sorry. I got to tell at least one very Switzer story. Um, I used to referee little kids' basketball games. Okay. And we were warned as referees in the Norman area not to be fanboys with the people that would come to watch games because like Sherry Cole would come watch her kids play. Um, at the time, Jay Norvell had a couple twins that played basketball uh, on and on. Always, always some kind of OU people were playing basketball, you know, and we're just talking little league basketball. Nothing big deal. Church, church they had churches and stuff like that. Switzer walks in one day. And it was cold outside and he is in a full on full length fur coat. And it just looked fat. I mean, he looked like a pimp and it looked fat and only he could pull it off. There is no, an actual pimp couldn't have pulled this off. Like Barry Switzer pulled it off. And, and the difference with, you know, everybody else kind of when, you know, the, the, the famous people of Norman or Oklahoma, you know, they would sit in the corner and try not to draw attention to themselves. Not Switzer. He would set up court, you know, and he'd just take all comers and it was almost like there was a receiving line of all the dads that just wanted to say something to him. And he was awesome. And he comes up to us after the game and he says, guys, that was one of the worst refereeing games I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the best compliment you've ever received. Oh, it was fantastic. He yeah. hits us on the back and says, keep it up. We really appreciate it. Coach, we love you. Uh, I'm looking forward to this week, Kevin. Boomer. Hook him. <laughs>